Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Welcome to today's edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Very glad to have all of you with us for our show today. Kevin Riley, the editor of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We haven't had you on for a while. You've been very busy in that job where you are the editor of the paper, which doesn't seem any reason why that should take you away from us, for goodness sake. I'm, I'm really glad to be here, and I, I, I'm sorry if my day job occasionally yeah. interferes, yeah. but uh, it's, it's always great to be here, yeah. and uh, and I know that all of our folks enjoy joining you here yeah. on the show. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Um, and joining us from Washington, D.C., uh, Kevin, your capital correspondent, your Washington correspondent, Tamar Hallerman. Hi, Tamar. How are you doing up there? Good. Got to behave. Another another session with my boss. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I, we want to start with, um, I want to talk for a couple of minutes, a few minutes about the loss of Cokie Roberts. She was a very important figure to all of us who have worked at NPR radio stations. And uh, I know she was an important force for many of you out there who were always interested in hearing about what was happening in the nation's capital, in our politics, uh, in policy that she reported on, uh, as you've heard already by, by now, she was 75 years old. She died of complications uh, for breast cancer. She originally got breast cancer way back in 2002. And um, she's won Emmy Awards. She's in the Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame. The Library of Congress a number of years ago named her a living legend. Uh, Tamar, I'm wondering, as uh, you're much younger than Koki was. Um, I'm wondering whether she was one of those women. You know, she was reporting in Washington at a time when there were really only a handful of strong women journalists up there doing the job. Uh, I wonder how you reflect on her career. Yeah, I mean, she was blazing trails before I was even born. So I can't even imagine what things were like for her, you know, covering these same Capitol Hill corridors that I do now. Um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I, I spent my first few years in journalism doing public radio, um, mm-hmm. especially in college. I was an intern at the Washington desk at NPR here in D.C., and I never got to meet Koki, but I got to interact with her a little bit via email and, and got to see her copy as it would come in and, and some of her news analyses. And I just always thought she was such a class act. And she she always seemed really accessible to young women, especially. And she always had great advice to just kind of put your head down and do good work and let that kind of speak for things. Don't get kind of drawn into the, you know, your own politics of your own newsrooms, just do good work. And and I try and take that to heart every day. Kevin, um, she had quite a political pedigree. She was the daughter of Hale Boggs, who was the majority leader in the United States House They from Louisiana. Uh, her, when, when her father died unexpectedly, her mother, Lindy Boggs, was elected to that seat and served for, it may have been longer than Hale Boggs was in Congress. I don't know that off the top of my head, and I don't have that information in front of me. But the point is, she was a child of Washington. She knew it from the very earliest days of her life. Yeah, and it just seemed like uh, she she 
stayed connected to the, you know, the the people that her, her parents were sent there to represent. In other words, um, I mean, I remember when she did ABC's uh, This Week mm-hmm. with Sam Donaldson, and she always seemed to be the, you know, the reasonable practical, knowledgeable person who understood what maybe Washington was supposed to be doing as yeah. opposed to what people were getting caught up in. Um, Cokie was here on an, any number of occasions. Um, we'd had conversations with her on my show, Two-Way Street. We did, I've done TV with her here at the GPB studio. So what was she like got, I mean, in those situations? Um, I have to tell you that Cokie Roberts not only was one of the most gracious people you could possibly want to know, just lovely human being, uh, I think greeted everyone with warmth and um, and beyond that was such a great conversationalist. Uh, you could not go wrong interviewing Cokie because she was engaged from the minute you started. But I want to play something. It's been a while since she's been on. She was here when she published a book called uh, uh, Ladies uh, a Day. I'm trying to remember the name of uh, Washington Dames, and I'll, I'll get it in a second. But um, it was about Civil War women and how they started coming into their own uh, during the Civil War when their husbands and uh, brothers, sons were all off in battle. And um, one of the things we talked about in that interview was the fact that she— did come out of Washington when she was a baby. She moved, the family moved to live in D.C. when Hale was reelected uh, after the war to Congress. And we talked about what the mood was like among all the families that lived in Washington in those days. This is just a little of what we talked about. Uh, when we were growing up, members of Congress were in Washington. And so uh, we would see each other at church or the moms at the PTA or at school or, you know, at the circus or whatever. Normal, normal life. Um, Bill, you know, I, I think I told you this. I had the wonderful honor, the daunting honor of being asked by Betty Ford to be one of her eulogists. And, and, and I always joke that it would have scared me to death, except she told me exactly what she wanted me to say. And that was to talk about the time when we were all together and we were all such friends. I mean, Jerry Ford was the Republican leader of the House when my father was the Democratic leader of the House. And they were partisan and they disagreed and they were best friends. And that was a very different time. And it did make a difference that we were all there together. Now, it also made a difference that they had all fought in World War II and that they... Uh, literally, those men who came to Congress in the post-war period had literally been in the trenches together. So that to just put a, bring this around full circle, today, typically a member of Congress flies home maybe Thursday night. They don't want to vote. They certainly don't want to take votes on Friday no, if they can right. avoid it So because they want to be on an airplane back home. Uh, they maybe come back Monday afternoon. Or Tuesday uh, they're morning. They're living in their own districts, and so there is. Or, and, no, then, and when they're in Washington, a bunch of them are living in their offices. In their offices, which is just disgusting. Showering at the congressional it's really, gym. It's really just <laughs> yucky. And frankly, as a taxpayer, I don't want to pay for them to be living in their offices. <laughs>
That was a conversation I had with Koki in May of it was 2015. It's been four years since I've seen her. The book, by the way, was Koki was Capital Dames: The Civil War and the Women of Washington. Koki laughed about calling them Capital Dames, but they were tough, hard bitten. She said, "Look, they were dames," and Koki Roberts was one of the great dames as well. Uh, real quickly, to Marcus, we got to get to a pledge break, but boy, she talks about bipartisan times uh, that are long since gone from the world that you cover up there. Exactly. And a lot of these changes were instituted by another Georgian, Newt Gingrich, when he was speaker. He really incentivized you know, lawmakers to spend as much time as possible in their districts, which you know, does have its wisdom. You want to reflect the will of the people that you're representing. But at the same time, you lost a lot of that day-to-day interaction with your colleagues that you know, made them a little more human, made you maybe a little more likely to work with them. Um, if you knew more, if you knew their wives, you knew their kids. You well, knew their interests. we will here at, at GPB. We're going to miss Koki greatly, as are so many of you out there who loved watching her on television, listening to her on national public radio. Um, we have got to pause. Where this is our radio pledge uh, week, and uh, we want to give you a chance uh, to help us if you can. And so we're going to send you over to uh, Pat Marcus and Bert Wesley Huffman to tell you how you can support the work here at GPB Radio here at GPB Radio with your contribution at gpb.org or 800-222-4788 if you'd rather call in with your gifts of support. You're listening to Political Rewind on this, the very first day of our fall fund drive, if we've already heard from you today. If you're one of the many listeners who came in on the first day or you gave before the drive started online, Thank you so much for doing your part. If you're a dedicated sustainer, you support us throughout the year or you give through the mail. Thank you. Thank you so much. But now we are pulling together toward a successful fall fund drive. We hope to do that with your support at gpb.org or 800 800- Two 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 four seven eight eight. Of course, on Political Rewind, we have been remembering veteran journalist Cookie Roberts, who passed away today. She joined NPR in 1978 and left an indelible imprint on what at the time was an upstart network with her coverage of Washington politics. Her career grew through then. Of course, NPR and public radio has grown since then, and GPB has grown since then. Thanks to your support, or rather thanks to the support of listeners like you who actually give. And we hope you'll do that right now at 800-222-4788 or gpb.org. And we've been talking about everyday heroes here on our first day of our fall fun drive. It doesn't take much for you to be an everyday hero, just a random act of kindness or maybe supporting a cause that you believe in. It takes everyday heroes just like you to keep GPB going strong, and that's what our fall fun drive is all about. That's why we're counting on you to come in to the rescue with a donation at whatever level works for you. Having GPB on the air ensures that you and everyone who listens has access to reliable, national, worldwide, and statewide news and information. And, of course, also ideas that challenge us and broaden our perspectives. GPB depends on loyal supporters just like you. So be an everyday hero right now. Come in online at gpb.org or call us at 800-222-4788. When you do, tell us about the everyday hero in your life. Certainly, uh, we've been talking about an everyday hero who we lost today, who was certainly an indelible imprint on NPR as we know it today. Uh, Join today as a uh, donor at GPB in honor of someone like Cokie Roberts. 
Call 800-222-4788 or go to gpb.org. Looking for 12 of you by 2.30. We're looking for 12 of you in the next 13 minutes here at gpb.org or 800-222-4788. We have a special incentive for you to make your gift now, today, on the first day of this fun drive. Uh, Bert and I are very aware that so many of you wait until the last day of the drive, the second to last day of the drive. Wow, now... If as many people gave on the first and second day of the drive, we might even wrap up a drive in two or three days. Uh, So right now we have a special incentive for you to give today on the first day of the drive. It is the GPB eco-copper, rather, at the special giving level of $10 a month. $10 a month will get you three thank you gifts, the 12-ounce GPB stainless steel travel tumbler. It says Everyday Hero on there. You'll also get a set of two stainless steel reusable straws and a special cleaning brush for those reusable straws. Do something great for the environment, for GPB, and for your community as a whole. And make that $10 monthly contribution. Ask for the GPB Eco Combo and do it before 7 o'clock tonight. Because at 7 o'clock, the giving level goes up to $15 a month or $180. So you get a special deal now when you give online at gpb.org or when you call 800-222-4788. That's a fantastic combo. And in fact, that tumbler, Pat, is probably one of my favorite thank you items that I've seen in a very long time. And we time. haven't done a travel tumbler in quite a while. No, it's a no. special deal. Yeah, I know Pat loves a travel tumbler. <laughs> and uh, when you join us as a sustainer, there are definite benefits to you. You can spread your support out over the year with affordable monthly contributions. That makes supporting GPB so much easier. It's also super convenient because your support continues automatically month after month. GPB sustainers are invited to events throughout the year, including all kinds of special screenings and receptions for both NPR and PBS initiatives. You'll also receive GPB Passport, which gives you extended online access to tens of thousands, literally, of hours of PBS shows streaming and on demand. And we'll send you a letter at tax time. It's going to show you everything that you need to know when you call us at 800-222-4788. Of course, you can always find us online at gpb.org. Support for 88.5 GPB Atlanta comes from listeners like you and Georgia Farm Bureau. As the voice for agriculture, Georgia Farm Bureau works to support a safe and abundant food supply that feeds Georgians and the growing world as well. Information on the Farm Bureau's mission is available at gfb.org. Does your busy life keep you from staying informed? GPB has you covered. You can listen live at gpbnews.org and on your smart home device. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at GPB News. Welcome back to Political Rewind. Uh, Kevin Riley is with me here in the studio. Tamar Hellerman of the AJC's Washington office, who is the AJC's Washington office, is in uh, Washington. Uh, let's get started on some of the issues that are bubbling up up in your, on your beat tomorrow. There are a number of Georgians who uh, on the Hill who are pretty deeply involved in some of the biggest issues going on up there. If it's OK with you, why don't we talk about where things stand up there in terms of any effort to pass new gun safety laws uh, through both houses of, of uh, uh, the Capitol um, Lucy McBath, a key player in some of that. Where do we stand in all this? 
So everyone right now is waiting to hear what the president has to say. Of course, we had the two twin mass shootings over the August recess in El Paso and Dayton, and that really kind of rocked the nation. And, and there there did seem like, like there would be this moment where, where the two parties would come together, and it seemed like red flag laws would be kind of the area where that would happen. Um, there are a ton of different states that have passed versions of this. There's been talk of a federal version that Lucy McBath had proposed earlier this year that that would basically incentivize states that that allow judges to um, temporarily seize people's um, people's guns if they're considered a threat to themselves or to other people. And so initially, it seemed like there'd be movement on that. But the problem is that Republicans are waiting for the president to weigh in because of the the very strong grip that, um, you know, that gun rights voters have on the Republican Party right now. Um, so in the meantime, you've seen a lot of House Democrats like Lucy McBath, like Nancy Pelosi, really beat the drum on passing new gun control legislation, especially a bill to expand background checks, um, getting rid of the gun show loophole, stuff like that. But but a lot of Republicans, including most of Georgia's delegation, have said, wait, 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 wait. You know, we're not willing to do anything until we see Trump weigh in. And, and we're supposed to hear that in the coming days, but no word as of yet. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting. We- we should also point out, am I, I think, uh, tomorrow, the House, of course, has already passed, does have some gun safety legislation that the Senate's not taking up, right? Yeah, and that's the expanded background check right. bill that I, I mentioned right. a little earlier. Okay. Um, there's a couple of Republicans who've signed on to that, but, but really it is a, a Democrat bill. And a lot of Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, have showed they're very much resistant to that. Well, the person who could truly change that is Trump. And, and initially he did pay lip service to expanding some sort of background check proposal, but, but we don't know exactly what that is. And, and it seems like his views change depending on who he's talking to, or it's really not clear where he is. And so until he weighs in, I think you're going to see a lot of folks, especially like David Perdue, who aren't going to want to weigh in. Um, Kevin, it's interesting that Lucy McBath is in the middle of a lot of this, given that she had her own personal tragedy. She lost her adult son to a, a gun violence uh, incident um, and has been in the forefront of all of this. And at the same time, we're wondering whether she's going to run for the United States Senate, maybe in the Johnny Isaacson open seat, which would mean she'd be in a jungle general election, no primary. I guess some of the questions around that are going to be how does how do guns play in, you know, gun laws play in Georgia and how does she calculate that? Yeah, I mean, I've been wanting to ask tomorrow about this. Unfortunately, she's so busy. The only time I really get to talk to her is when we're on your show together. Yeah. So, but I mean, guns. It, though that is Lucy's issue, Lucy McBath's issue, right? Tomorrow, I mean, do you think she might decide to just really start beating the drum on this in the way that Beto O'Rourke has clearly decided he's going to do, and then make a move on the Senate? Seat? The problem with that is there are an awful lot of Democrats, and then I'll let you weigh in this, and in fact, add this to what you want to say about this tomorrow, as you know. You know, Beto's really been strong now. This is his issue. But there are a lot of Democrats, moderate Democrats, who are not happy that he's done that. And I wonder if Lucy McBath would uh, feel some backlash, too, if that were if she were to do what Kevin uh, says. Yeah, I mean, gun control was was truly her issue when she ran for Congress last year. She used to always talk about losing her son, and she used to describe herself as being a a mother on a mission. And that's kind of at the heart of what she talks about even now that she's in Washington. But, but, you know, she has to be careful. Republicans, you know, she's she's running for re-election right now for the the House seat that she's currently in. Um, You know, if she she stays in that race or if she decides to run for Senate, you know, she's been attacked relentlessly by Republicans who say that, you know, 
that she not only does she want gun control, but she wants to actually take people's guns from them. Um, and and that could be a huge problem yeah. when you're trying to appeal to a broad electorate. Um, so that that's kind of a line that she has to walk there. But but if we were gonna you know I mean push on it, I mean there is another school of thought that would say right that uh, Stacey Abrams ran as an unabashed liberal progressive and that that is the way to win in Georgia if you want to win that Senate seat to just go at it let the let the rest of the field fight it out in the middle and go out there and get your voters out there I mean I could see the possibility that she that she would see it that way well I would yeah, yeah go ahead tomorrow I mean, Stacey Abrams who proudly touted her F rating from the the NRA which is something that you know, even in 2014, the last time we had a, you know, a, a truly open Senate race in Georgia, you know, you did not see Michelle Nunn or Jason Carter talking about guns in this way. You no. have seen a lot of pro-gun Georgia Democrats kind of move away from that over the last couple J- of years. Jason even Sanford Bishop. Yeah. yeah when Jason Carter. He's an NRA Democrat. That's yeah. right. He was an NRA Democrat. Jason Carter ran for governor uh, against Nathan Deal, uh, saying that he supported the NRA and he didn't want to take people's guns and, away. And he got he lost by a lot, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the question with Lucy McBath. Remember that yes, she certainly showcased the gun issue, but she also put a lot of emphasis on preserving pre-existing conditions in that uh, race that she won last time around. So I don't think we're going to see her jump in with both feet really and be all about guns. She still got health care as a big issue for people. Yeah, in the I think district. it's tough to argue right tomorrow that health care isn't the better issue for Democrats. I mean, they are in a little bit more slippery a slope right now. But should the should the Republican attorneys generals succeed in in, in striking down the law before the Supreme Court? It, it'd be interesting to see how that emerges for Democrats as an issue. Tomorrow? Exactly. And, and this was an issue that, that McBath ran successfully on in 18. You know, Carolyn Bordeaux in the ne- neighboring 7th District in Gwinnett and Forsyth counties nearly won on talking about how Republicans want to take away health care for pre-existing conditions. Although the issue, should the Republican attorneys general win this case, is that it would completely pull the rug out from Obamacare, and both parties would have to scramble to find something right before the election to replace it. Um, and I don't think either side is, is really that anxious to to help one another, you know, on such a big issue. Right. More likely is that if the if the law topples, the judge would put a stay on it, at least saying, you know, whoever wins the election in 2020 would have to deal with it then. But but one thing about Lucy McCaffrey hey, that I do want to mention. Finish this yeah. real quick because we got to get to a break. Finish it real quick. Sure. You know, Lucy McBath has, you know, insisted over and over again, worth noting that that she does not want to take guns away from people. Right. And it's some, you know, exactly. she, she has shown I do believe that gun ownership is appropriate. You know, if you like hunting, I That's don't want right. to take your guns She's away. She's not better at work saying I'm going to take all of your automatic or semi-automatic weapons away. All right. Tomorrow, just a minute ago, talked about people helping each other. That's what we're doing during our radio pledge break, asking you to help support the programming we bring you here, like shows like Political Rewind. Um, and uh, this is the time that we ask that you do it. Pat Marcus and Bert Wesley Huffman can give you more information on how you can be a supporter of our programs here. It's quick and easy to do that at gpb.org or call 800-222-4788. Takes a couple of minutes to support Political Rewind and all of the programs that you depend on and enjoy. Here on Georgia Public Broadcasting, listeners provide 
the single most important and reliable source of funding that brings you conversation about health care, the environment, education, uh, conversations about gun control, all issues we're facing here in Georgia, all issues that are discussed in a civil manner, a civil, respectful manner here on GPB day after day and certainly on Political Rewind. Your support makes it possible. That's why we're looking for you to give right now at gpb.org on the first day of our fund drive or 800-222-4788. Now, no matter where you are on the political spectrum, here at GPB, we do our best to bring you a broad range of information, all kinds of discussion and and analysis, and then we leave the opinion-making totally up to you. That's one of the hallmarks of public radio, and it's why we bring you Political Rewind on GPB. The program is produced here at Georgia Public Broadcasting for and about Georgia. Sure, we bring you news about what's happening in Atlanta, but we're more than Atlanta, right? You're probably listening right now from some Somewhere else across the state of Georgia, and we want to be sure that all of Georgia is represented in all that we do. And it takes support from all of you who listen, just like you're doing right now to keep GPB strong and to keep us here for all of Georgia. You can support us at 800-222-4788 or online at gpb.org. You know, during this fun drive, we are celebrating an anniversary, uh, the 40th anniversary, in fact, of Morning Edition. And then today we learned that Cokie Roberts passed away at the age of 75. And so we are celebrating the legacy of the great Cokie Roberts. She joined NPR in 1978. She left an absolutely indelible imprint, uh, which at the time was really just an upstart network. NPR in 1978 was just an alternative network, a growing network, a network that has grown into a primary news source. Cookie Roberts, of course, a part of that. She was one of the founding mothers, we like to say, of NPR, along with Susan Stanberg, uh, Linda Wertheimer, of course, and Nina Totenberg. Uh, Think about all of the trusted voices that you hear here on GPB. Uh, Of course, Cookie Roberts was amongst them. You also hear from Leah Fleming, and you hear from our own Ricky Bevington. You hear from David Green, Steve Inskeeb, Ari Shapiro, Audie Corner, so many more. It is your support that keeps the programs and the voices coming to you here on GPB. That is what our fall fund drive is all about. That is why we rely so much on your support. It's essential in keeping what you rely on coming to you on GPB. So please give now at gpb.org or call 800-222-4788. You know, moments like today with Cokie Roberts are such sad moments for all of us in public media, but they also, as a public radio listener, take you back. Uh, Because, I mean, Cokie Roberts, 1978, before I was even born, and so I've grown up listening to voices like Cokie Roberts and Steve Inskeep, and those are such incredible voices that uh, have, have been immortalized on NPR. And when you hear about the loss of one of them, you really realize that we've lost an everyday hero, someone who meant so much to not only this network of NPR stations across the country, but to you, the listener. Now, your support of GPB right now is a powerful gesture, and even more than you might think, because we were just talking
talking about everyday heroes, right? It means that you're able to stand up. You're willing to stand up. You want to be counted. You want to be counted as the next donor in our growing public radio community. And during this fund drive, we're looking to hear from everyone who listens. Listeners like you who care about our state and believe in all we deserve, that we all deserve unbiased uh, reporting and independent, meaningful news coverage, regardless of any individual's ability to pay. That's a very important part. And I'm going to go off script saying that so many people listen to public radio because of your support. If you can give, you make the difference for all of those who can't. So call 800-222-4788 or go to gpb.org right now. We're back on Political Rewind. Tamar Hallerman, let me turn to another uh, story in Washington that I know you're paying an enormous amount of attention to, and that's uh, Jerry Nadler's House Judiciary Committee, which is, depending on how you want to say it, has launched an impeachment investigation, has launched uh, something that is sort of like an impeachment investigation. And Georgians are deeply involved in that effort, too. Lucy McBath, again, uh, being one of them. Hank Johnson, the other Democratic uh, member from Georgia, on that committee. And then Doug Collins, the ranking member and Trump's biggest supporter up there. Uh, how do you exactly. how do you calculate? Uh, I think start with Doug Collins. I mean, he has been a fierce and I think pretty articulate defender of Trump against all of the Democratic efforts to undo the president, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Doug Collins got this job as, as ranking Republican in part because he was known as kind of a bipartisan player on you know making legislation. Yeah. But this job, all these viral moments have really come out of his defense of the president. And, and you see him kind of taking on the role with glee. He really loves kind of using all the procedural levers at his advantage to, to stall or slow down this Democratic inquiry. He complains that, that Democrats seem to be pursuing impeachment but won't just come out and say it or won't just vote for it on the Supreme Court. And he's gotten – or sorry, on the House floor, and, and he's just gotten a lot of moments to go on cable news in the House floor to kind of rail against that. Um, and, and he thinks Democrats aren't being upfront about what they're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, uh, Kevin, he has made himself a house, if not a household name, uh, kind of out in the driveway heading toward the house name. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, uh, I, I mean, he's becoming pretty well known as a result of all this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Tamar mentioned, uh, you know, how he rails about what the Democrats are doing on my drive to the studio today. Uh, I was listening to uh, the radio, CNN, and uh, he was going off. They're, they have a hearing, Corey. Yeah. Uh, right yeah, that's right. Testifying. The Judiciary Committee is had in, in their investigation right now. And I happened to catch uh, 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 Doug Collins five minutes or so, and it was uh, colorful and in that in that unusual sort of speaking style that he has. And uh, he was really going off about uh, about the whole thing and was talking about how well let's make the popcorn the show starting again. <laughs> It's really something else. I don't know if you caught that tomorrow, but I think that'll be there'll be some viral moments out of that. I'm sure. What's interesting yeah. about? Go ahead, tomorrow. No, and he's a uh, former pastor, and so he's a or sorry, a pastor before he came to yeah. to Congress. So I think he really relishes that. And and it's important to note he only got here in, in 2013, so he's had a truly rapid rise to the top. And already he's on the radar of President Trump. You see him retweeting Doug Collins all the time, and and it's something to note because because Doug Collins has political ambitions. He he hasn't been afraid to speak about that. And so you know I would not be surprised to see his name 
you know, seriously considered by Brian Kemp as he, de- he decides who to appoint for Johnny Isaacson's seat. And, and maybe if Trump wants to have a hand in it, he really could. Um, you know, I think it, here I'm going to throw out my theory. Uh, I've done it on a couple of shows and I always get pushback, but I'll try it first with you tomorrow. Uh, there are a lot of people who think that Brian Kemp could very well name Doug Collins to that uh, Isaacson seat and then uh, uh, presumably Doug would go on and run for the uh, seat in next year's uh, general election. I can't help but wonder if the president really would push back on that because he's very valuable defending him in the Judiciary Committee. And most of the panelists, when I've said that, have told me they think I'm way off base. What do you think, Tamar? (laughs) Um, I think there are plenty of Republicans on judiciary who'd be willing to take Doug Collins' place. You have Jim Jordan, uh, who's becoming a pretty senior Republican. You know, he's from Ohio. He was the first leader of the House Freedom Caucus, who I think would relish that job. And I think Trump at the same time would love to have a second Georgia senator be a truly vocal Trumpy in a way that, that Johnny Isaacson, while he's been supportive of Trump, has truly kept him at arm's distance. But I could see Doug Collins being that that kind of second David Perdue level confidant for Trump. All right. Okay, go ahead, Kevin. I, I think what she's saying there, Bill, is that you're wrong. Yeah, I, look, I'm uh, wrong she's on nice the show. That, I, look, I'm, a, it, 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 I'm wrong on this show a lot, which is why I have smart people like you all around me, and I'm going to put that theory uh, to bed. Tamar, what about Lucy McBeth? We talked about her a few minutes ago in terms of her position on gun safety. Um, she did vote on this procedure, on the process by which they would move forward. She voted for it. Uh, which essentially keeps the investigation moving. Um, Does she run risks or advantages in terms of either re-election in the six or running for Senate uh, if she uh, comes out and supports impeachment, which she still says she's not ready to do? Very different considerations depending on which seat she's running for. If she continues to run for the House in the 6th District, which is kind of a longtime Republican district that she flips, she probably can't vote for impeachment or or come out in support of it until something else has changed. There's been polling done in the district, and granted, Republican polling, so take it with a grain of salt, that's shown something like 60 percent of residents in the 6th District who are not supportive of impeachment. Um, so you've heard her say, and, and she's been pressured at her town halls by Democratic supporters who want her to go for impeachment. She keeps saying, this is a process. I need to see more information before I'm willing to support it. One person I'm watching who I I wonder, you know, perhaps could persuade her is John Lewis, um, who obviously is no fan of Donald Trump's, but has stayed quiet over the last few months because of his support for Nancy Pelosi. But he's been on the record saying over the last few days that his time is near, that he's ready to start talking about his stance on the issue. Yeah, but of course, what's wonderful about that, Kevin, is that he has said that my time is near. But he hasn't said what whether that means he's going to uh, go for impeachment or not, whether he's going to back away. We're still waiting to hear that. Yeah, and I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but, I mean, I, I understand that uh, Lucy McBath would have to pay attention or not want to be on the wrong side of John Lewis. But, I mean, will that really be the clincher? We'll have to see. I mean, John showed, uh, Representative Lewis showed up at the Atlanta School Board and couldn't change their minds. Yeah, I, and we, you know, yes, but I think uh, tomorrow when it comes to influencing members of the United States House, John Lewis, if he suddenly said, I believe we need to impeach the president of the United States in that venue, I think it would be enormously influential, don't you? 
Exactly, especially with Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. You know, she always talks about John Lewis as the conscience of Congress. And if she were to lose him on this, because she's been urging, no, let's go through the process first, then it will be really hard for her to stay on course. Meanwhile, in, in the Judiciary Committee, Kevin, it seems to me that Hank Johnson is pretty much bulletproof. He can stand up and shout out for impeachment all he wants. His voters are solidly democratic, and they probably they would support him no matter what, right? He doesn't take any risks on this one, I don't think. Right. And I do think that, again, you know, talking about the position that uh, Nancy Pelosi's in, there are people who have no risk in saying this sort of stuff. And so that makes it harder for people who do. And, and I think Pelosi recognizes there are great risks with voters who per, who many of whom seem to perceive this as sort of inside Washington gamesmanship. All right. Um, we got to take another break to uh, get Pat Marcus and Bert Wesley Huffman in here. You know, we only do this twice a year. Uh, ask, come to you and ask that you support our programming here. Many of you already do, and I'm very grateful that you do. Thank you for that. Some of you out there don't. And if you like Political Rewind and want to help us continue, it would be terrific if you would listen to what Pat and Bert have to say about how you can get involved in that effort. And the first way to get involved is to make a click on the green donate button on our website at gpb.org or call 800-222-4788. It is a quick and easy process. It takes like two minutes to invest in Political Rewind and all of the programs that you love, all of the programs that you rely on here in GPB, whether you're listening in Atlanta or Athens or Savannah, Macon, Columbus, Augusta, wherever you are, maybe you're not even in Georgia, but you stream GPB and you enjoy what you hear, you pick us up on your radio because we reach beyond the borders of Georgia. Wherever you're listening, we hope you'll do your part right now. It's the first day of our fall fun drive, a great time to get us off to a strong start. Thank you so much if you gave recently online. You also did your part and jump-started the drive, but now... If we haven't heard from you yet, listening right now, it's a great time to call 800-222-4788 or click and give at gpb.org. GPB is about connecting all of Georgia. And, Pat, you make a really great point. It's points beyond Georgia. No matter where you live in our state or, frankly, all over the country, on many levels, we're all interconnected. And if you've been listening to GPB lately, you already understand that the latest on the Savannah Harbor deepening can affect our state's economy. You already understand that it's important to keep up with environmental issues, even if they're far from your hometown. And wherever you are in Georgia, you know that decisions made under the Gold Dome, well, they affect all of us. With programs like On Second Thought in the mornings and on the weekend and Political Rewind, as well as reports and reporters from long-form features uh, GPB's, uh, from GPB's award-winning news team, we're bringing you what connects you week after week. But that connection it relies on the support of people who listen, people just like you. So as Bill was saying, if you're one of those listeners who hasn't gotten around to making that gift yet, now's the time to do it during this fall fun drive. Call 800-222-4788 or go to gpb.org. You know, Bert, you mentioned that word connection, mm -hmm. and we hear from listeners all the time. Uh, who say, after I made that first gift, I really felt more connected. It felt so good. Absolutely. It felt so good to know that I'm a part of GPB. 
We're asking you to get that good feeling and become a part of GPB, whether it's your first-time donation or you're re-upping or maybe you're kicking in a little bit something extra during the fund drive. Uh, when you're thinking about giving to GPB, consider a contribution of $10 a month. When you think about the hours and hours of the course of a week or a month or a year that you spend listening to GPB, $10 a month is a bargain, especially when you think about what you might spend for your cable service, what you might spend for your data plan on your smartphone, and yet you spend so much time listening with GPB. It is worthy of your time, certainly worthy of your support. Please give right now at gpb.org. Whatever amount is right for you is great. If you can give $10 a month, that's very much appreciated. Or call 800-222-4788. And we're looking for nine more of you to call us at 800-222-4788 or go to gpb.org by 3 o'clock today. That's going to keep us on top of the goals that we've set for Political Rewind so that we know that this first day of the fall fund drive is a great success for GPB. Now, Pat was just talking about $10 a month as a possibility of your gift to Georgia Public Broadcasting. As an extra incentive today only to support GPB on this first day of our fall fund drive, we do have a very special offer for you. So when you support us today, you can get the brand new GPB Eco Combo at the special giving level of, as Pat said, only $10 a month. This combo thank you gift includes the all-new GPB Everyday Hero Stainless Steel Travel Tumbler. It's a super cool, great-looking item. Two, uh, a set of two stainless steel reusable straws and a special cleaning brush to keep your reusable straws fresh and tidy so that you can use them time and time again. And that cleaning brush is actually in a lovely shade of GPB blue. I think it's a great-looking item. It We're matches all, your shirt. It, my shirt today is also, <laughs> I guess, a little blue. Yes. We're also uh, only able to offer this to you today at this GPB Eco Combo special giving rate of $10 a month. After today, it's going to go up to $15 a month. So make sure we hear from you now. This super stylish 12-ounce uh, stainless steel travel tumbler features the words Everyday Hero on one side of the GPB logo uh, is on the other side. And then the stainless steel straws also have the Everyday Hero moniker as well. This is a beautiful campaign for us. Uh, it's very simple and elegant, and it really does say everything that needs to be said, which is those of you who support us are quite simply Everyday Heroes. Call 800-222-4788 or go to gpb.org right now. Be an Everyday Hero. That's gpb.org or 800-222-4788. You can also reach us at Pound GPB on your AT&T cell phone. And thank you so much. So I don't want to get too mushy about it or anything, but I got to say Pat and Bert are kind of my everyday heroes because they really are out there uh, spreading word about the work we do here at GPB. And I'm so grateful uh, that we have people who are so passionate and so uh, good at spreading word and encouraging other people to uh, share what we do here. So thanks to you, Pat and Bert, and all of you out there who are supporting the work we do at GPB. Uh, Kevin, uh, Stacey Abrams finds a way to command a lot of space in your newspaper uh, every week. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I mean, she's out doing a lot on the national level, building networks. And the latest effort is she's uh, part of a newly formed advocacy group, which has launched a nationwide bus tour. They The plan, it's it's got people from many organizations involved. They want to train and mobilize two million women around the country to become political activists and organizers ahead of 2020. Um, It's just a powerful, we'll see how they do, but this notion of mobilizing women 
uh, is powerful, especially given that uh, President Trump's uh, rating approval ratings among women is falling pretty uh, precipitously. Yeah, you really do start to see why Stacey Abrams apparently didn't want to be burdened with a Senate campaign when when she was doing all these things, getting all this attention, mixing it up in this effort with uh, a lot of the Democratic presidential candidates. So you just see her figuring out ways to continue to be a national figure and have a ton of influence in what's going on in politics. These Some days. of the others, uh, uh, Tamar, who are out there on this bus tour of the country, uh, uh, Alicia Garza, who was part of the uh, startup Black Lives Matter, um, uh, the executive director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance is part of this, Cecile Richards, of course, former president of Planned Parenthood, um, any number of other women who are out there. Women really can be the key to next year's uh, national races, can't they? Them really reshape, especially a lot of the races in, in Atlanta, the northern suburbs, <clears throat> excuse me, areas that, that were once kind of safe Republican areas that have become true battlegrounds. So you see her trying to expand the map there. All right. Um, so we'll watch how that unfolds. Uh, before we end up having to throw it back to a pledge break, I it was fascinating. Uh, um, my good friend, Richard Elliott, who's now the political reporter at WSB-TV Channel 2 News, got a chance to talk to Brian Kemp and, to the best of my knowledge, got him on the record for the first time the other day in uh, talking about who he might appoint to replace Johnny Isaacson, who will retire from the U.S. Senate at the end of the year. And, of course, uh, Kemp is playing his cards close to his vest. Uh, he says he's still very open to a lot of different options. Um, he also, but he said something interesting, Tamar. He didn't preclude the possibility of a placeholder. Most people think he's going to name someone who will then go on and run for the seat, but um, it, it is at least conceivable that uh, he he could place, uh, uh, appoint a placeholder, but that's not really very likely, is it? Exactly, because why pass up the opportunity to to give a, a hand-picked candidate the benefit of incumbency in, uh, in 2020? That's a huge deal in, in what's going to be a very loud and crowded jungle jungle general election, so no primary battle. So, so here he has the opportunity to shape somebody who's not only going to be on the ballot in 2020, but, but potentially on the ballot with him in 2022. So why not? Give yourself that extra advantage. Uh, Kevin, I don't know which of your political insiders, whether it was Tamar, and you can tell us tomorrow if it was you or Bluestein or Galloway, but one of you uh, uh, pointed out that President Trump may have sent a message to, um, not intentionally, to Brian Kemp uh, when he uh, did his rally last night in uh, New Mexico because he started talking about Republicans, who, rhinos, Republicans in name only, how we don't need them. They're pretty much on respirators, he said. They're gasping for air. Kevin, uh, that if Brian Kemp listens to that, it would suggest he's going to go for a David Perdue-style Republican, a conservative who supports the president, not the more Johnny Isaacson-style uh, moderate Republican. Yeah, and don't forget that it was a tweet from the president that a lot of people believe put Brian Kemp over the top in that key Republican primary against uh, Casey Cagle. So it just remains to be seen. But I, I think that uh, the president will care a lot about this, and I think that— uh, 
you know, Brian Kemp can't afford not to pay attention to what the president. Tamara, what do you uh, think about that? Yeah, we've we've written a lot about how Kemp has a choice. He can he can go for a deeply conservative Republican who'd really help with with the Republican Party base in in the rural parts of the state, or he could go for a suburban Republican in the mold of Johnny Isaacson, who can maybe help with minorities, with women, with people who might be disenchanted with Donald Trump. But all of this is suggesting that that Kemp will go for a base conservative kind of person like David Perdue, like Brian Kemp. Um, and that seems to be what Trump wants. But but we're, I think we're still way too early to to know at this point what uh, what Kemp is going to go for. Yeah. I mean, he's what what basically he told Richard Elliott is, look, we've had a lot of other things on our plate. We're only now starting to really turn our attention to figuring out who should be uh, the replacement. Uh, we're just about out of time for today's political rewind. Uh, Tamar Hellerman, it's always great to have you. We need to get you into the studio. Come visit us in Atlanta soon, would you please? Will do. Good. And Kevin Riley, thank you for coming back. I know you've been on the road a lot lately, and we look forward to when you settle back down and we can have you back every Tuesday as we have for so long. Thanks for being here today. Always, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, One quick note. uh, Tomorrow, Greg Bluestein's coming in, and the two of us are going to sit down. And I want to give Greg as much time as I can to talk about the Senate race, uh, about uh, what he sees in the congressional races. He's always got so much to say, so I look forward to that. And then on Friday, uh, we're going to devote the show to a conversation with Jackie Gingrich Cushman. We mentioned yesterday that she's got a brand new book, Our Broken America. Interestingly enough, I talked to her about Cokie Roberts' last visit to the show in the middle of that interview, uh, and you'll hear why we talked about it when Jackie's a guest on the show on Friday. So that's it for us for today. Thank you for being with us. Let me send it back now to uh, Bert and to Pat because we really would like you early on in our drive to help support GPB. Thanks for being with us. Pat and Bert, it's all yours.